Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. They acted according to what seemed best for them at at the time. In Moody's case, that was remaining loyal, and he risked everything and lost a lot uh, for that loyalty. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor Kevin Kahn discussing one of the most famed loyalist agents in the state of New Jersey. And he's our guest today. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is brought to you by West Home Publishing, publishers of Noble Volunteers, The British Soldiers Who Fought the American Revolution by Don N. Haggist, with a foreword by Rick Atkinson. Available now wherever books are sold. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today our guest is Journal of the American Revolution contributor Kevin Kahn, discussing uh, James Moody, one of the most effective and famous, maybe infamous, loyalist agents operating in and around the state of New Jersey. One of the wonderful things I have found in my two years of hosting this show is that there are a lot of stories of of very important people that play very important roles in the revolutionary story that don't necessarily get the attention they deserve. Maybe there's not enough material or interest for a book, but there's always enough material and interest for a good, solid article. And Kevin Kahn has given us one of those good, solid articles on a man named James Moody. Now, Moody is a loyalist, and as time goes on, I think that's becoming less and less of a dirty word in revolutionary history. Because we understand the war is over, and we understand that these people, for their own political reasons or personal reasons, or family reasons, Uh, these people, these loyalists, again, had their causes too. And they played important roles that help us understand the entire complex event in a more complete way. And James Moody, presented to us by Kevin Kahn in this article, is one of those people. He did very important things. He has a very interesting story. And again, most importantly, he helps us understand this whole era better. And you folks know, if you've listened before, that's the the question I always end with, because I think that's what's most important. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Kevin Kahn. Kevin Kahn, thank you for joining us. Well, it's great to be back. Thank you for having me on, Brady. Tell us about your background. Well, I've been a teacher at Dalbarton School in Morristown, New Jersey, for about 28 years now. Uh, And for the past 18 of those, uh, I've been teaching... AP U.S. History, which is a great job, uh, especially because I have extremely bright students. About two and a half years ago, I started taking um, master's courses through the Gilder Lehrman Institute uh, online. And so the articles that I've written for the JAR so far stem from uh, papers I've written for these courses. What first drew your interest into this topic? Well, I first moved to Sussex County, New Jersey about uh, 16 years ago and 
going up to Newton, New Jersey, I saw a plaque on the front of the Dennis Library there entitled Moody's Raids that referenced a notorious Tory, James Moody. <laughs> I wondered to myself, hmm, who's that guy? I've never heard of Moody. And so over the years, I've done a bit of basic research, um, learning a little bit about James Moody. Um, I've even gone looking with my wife and children when they were younger for Moody's Cave in the uh, Muckshaw Preserve outside, uh, outside Newton. That's a place where Moody supposedly secreted the catch of gold, just like uh, all the tales of you know, robbers' caves in uh, Arabian Nights or Aladdin. Um, there's no evidence for any actual uh, gold, and all we found were about 200 ticks on us uh, when we emerged from the woods. So if we ever go back, it'll have to be in the late fall or the winter. Well, when I took a course last summer um, through the Gilder Lehrman uh, Institute with uh, Denver Brunsman from George Washington University, I knew exactly what I was going to write my term paper on. And the article um, came out of uh, my work for that. For some context, could you tell us about New Jersey in 1776? Yeah. Well, um, of course, New Jersey was initially spared... Uh, the initial stages of the war, uh, 1775, uh, as most of the conflict uh, was up in New England. But uh, as soon as the British landed on Staten Island in July 1776 and then took uh, New York City in the fall, New Jersey became uh, an incredibly important battleground area, and it was for the rest of the war. Um, in 1776, it was the scene of Washington's retreat um, after his disasters in the New York campaign. And it was also the place where he redeemed his reputation uh, with the Washington's crossing the Delaware and the victorious attack on the Hessian garrison at Trenton um, at Christmas. And then the victory at Princeton shortly afterwards in 1777. For the rest of the war, New Jersey was a battleground, a, a place of foraging expeditions, raids, um, encampments, uh, and espionage. Both sides tried to win the hearts and minds, or, or at least the uh, grudging acquiescence of the civilian population, um, and spied on each other's movements. Um, that's why New Jersey uh, has been nicknamed the Crossroads of the Revolution, uh, or the cockpit uh, of the revolution, simply because there was so much activity from actual battles to uh, skirmishes, uh, foraging expeditions, and spying that went on there. Who was James Moody? What was his background? Yeah, well, James Moody was uh, originally born in Little Egg Harbor um, in Ocean County, um, but uh, he was a fairly prosperous farmer with about 500 acres out in what was then Knowlton Township near Hope, New Jersey. Now, that's a part of Warren County, New Jersey now, but it was a part of Sussex County uh, at the time of the Revolution. Um, according to uh, Moody's biographer, uh, Susan Shenstone, uh, the Moody's uh, can, could trace their lineage back to the reign of Henry VIII when an Edmund Modi or Moody saved Henry from drowning in a ditch when he tried jumping over it on a hunting expedition and fell short. 
Um, Moody moved out to Sussex County um, in about 1766, uh, getting land from his father, probably when he married a woman by the name of uh, Elizabeth Britton. Um, the couple had three children, um, and when Moody started taking an active role in the revolution in 1777, he would have been about uh, 32 years old and sort of um, minor gentry out in the area. Moody refused to take an oath of loyalty. Uh, what was asked of him and how common was that? Well, the, the oath of loyalty was essentially a public rejection of the crown and the royal government. Uh, this was a function of the patriots organizing and seizing the initiative, moving first, because although they're initially a, major, uh, a minority in New Jersey, they had the advantage of their energy and, um, and being the first to act. The uh, New Jersey Congress essentially overthrew the existing uh, provincial legislature. They imprisoned uh, William Franklin, the royal governor, um, and installed William Livingston as the Patriot governor. Local Patriot committees of safety um, began um, imposing loyalty oaths very commonly on the inhabitants of their counties or their townships. Um, as I said, their renunciations of British sovereignty, pledges of loyalty to the Patriot um, government. Um, you know, for Moody, uh, he tried initially to remain apolitical um, and stay out of the war, but he really thought that um, an active renunciation was completely unthinkable. Um, he said later um, could, he could come to no other conclusion, uh, and this is his words from his uh, narrative, than that however real or great the grievances of the Americans might be, Rebellion was not the way to redress them. It required, moreover, but little skill to know that rebellion is the foulest of all crimes and that was begun in wickedness must end in ruin. So he's basically trying to stay out of the conflict um, and was able to through 1776. But um, in the winter of 1776-77, um, after Washington's uh, victory at Trenton, um, his Patriot neighbors began to threaten him in the spring of 1777. And in March, uh, they even took pot shots at him while he was walking on his property. So he decided to leave his wife and children and he fled to British lines um, and enlisted in the New Jersey Volunteers which was a regiment commanded by the last Royal Attorney General of New Jersey, uh, Cortland Skinner. He initially served as a so-called gentleman volunteer, which is uh, serving in the ranks um, at, as a private but without pay uh, and sort of having the, the honored status of, uh, of a gentleman. And most of the most of the time, sorry, he was most of the war he was used as um, 
as a, a spy or a, a recruiter. You state that 1780 was a year of success and failure for Moody. What happened? Okay. Well, as I said, Moody already had a, le- a reputation as a recruiter. Um, he was a raider along the New Jersey coast, uh, including a, uh, a very successful 1779 raid on Tinton Falls um, and had been a spy. Um, he gathered information on Washington's army. He'd made Patriot officials sign loyalty oaths to the crown, which of course would make them suspect and patriotized, and recruited soldiers. But his assignment changed a little bit in 1780 when General Kneiphausen, uh, a subordinate of Henry Clinton, ordered Moody to abduct Governor William Livingston. Um, now, capture or kidnapping of opponents seems to have been a regular part of the tactics on both sides throughout the war. So Moody and a small band of subordinates set out to take Livingston, but when they got into Morris County, they learned that he'd gone to Trenton for a special session of the legislature. So they moved out to Sussex County uh, to wait for his return, but one of Moody's men was captured by a Patriot officer who recognized him uh, during a tryst with a local woman. And this captured loyalist gave up Moody's plan. And so instead, Moody decided that there was no way he was going to be able to capture Livingston there. So he decided to um, raise havoc in western New Jersey. Uh, Although he considered an attempt to blow up uh, the Patriot uh, powder magazine at Succasuna, he heard that Livingston had increased the guard on that magazine to 100 men. Um, making an attempt with um, the uh, seven or so men that he had at that point uh, pretty much an impossibility. So instead, he headed for Newton, New Jersey, which was the county seat of Sussex County. Um, And he'd heard that British prisoners, including one convicted for the murder of uh, Patriot General William Maxwell's father, uh, were being held there. So Moody and his party um, approached the Newton courthouse and jail in the middle of the night. Uh, They tried to tell the jailer that they had a prisoner, one of Moody's men, but he refused to open the door. So Moody decided uh, intimidation would work better. uh, And so he declared his identity um, with a threat, saying that he was going to pull the jail down around the jailer's ears. And his party, uh, his men with him began whooping like Indians. Um, Now, Newton at that point was a really small town, only about 30 houses, uh, and many of the inhabitants, fearing uh, an Indian attack, fled into the woods, um, and those that stayed in their houses were in no shape to, uh, to resist or to help the jailer. So Moody managed to climb in through a window and into the jail. He forced the jailer to give him the keys and rescued Uh, the British soldier, um, who ironically was also named Maxwell, um, and who was actually asleep through the commotion. Um, The soldier, Maxwell, initially thought on waking up that this was patriots coming to execute him, but um, Moody managed to calm his fears, and he liberated Maxwell and, for good measure, all of the other prisoners in the jail. Talk about his capture and imprisonment. Yeah, well, 
Moody um, initially managed to uh, evade all of Livingston's pursuits. I mean, Livingston was sending out uh, patrols of up to 40 men to try to uh, capture or kill him. Um, but in hiding in caves and swamps, uh, Moody and his uh, men made their way back to the British outpost at Bulls Ferry, uh, which is near uh, in between North Bergen and West New York, New Jersey, um, on July 21st, 1780. But they had the bad luck to arrive just as a detachment of Mad Anthony Wayne's troops attacked the the blockhouse there. Um, And of course, in the middle of an attack, they couldn't get into uh, the blockhouse and were caught with with, uh, Patriot troops attacking it. They tried to escape, but uh, they were caught by New York troops um, near the so-called English neighborhood, uh, about three miles north of Bulls Ferry. Now, initially, Moody didn't worry because um, he was, had been careful to wear his uniform. Um, he had his British commission in his pocket and his orders from General Kneiphausen, and therefore he expected to be treated as a prisoner of war rather than as a spy. That worked out initially, but when Governor Livingston heard of his capture, uh, things changed dramatically for Moody. Um, he'd been briefly at West Point and at Tappan Sloat, uh, but he was taken back to West Point, which was then commanded by General Benedict Arnold. Um, now, Arnold was in the beginning stages of his own treason, but uh, that didn't seem to help Moody because um, Moody uh, said that he was held in a cell, dug out of a rock and covered with a platform of planks badly jointed without any roof to it. And all the rain which fell on it immediately passed through and lodged in the bottom of this dismal mansion. It had no floor but the natural rock, and the water with the mud and filth collected was commonly ankle-deep in every part of it. Mr. Moody's bed was an old door supported by four stones, so as just to raise it above the surface of the water. Here he continued near four weeks, and during most of the time, while he was tormented with irons in the manner mentioned above, in other words, kept with uh, shackles on both his wrists and ankles. No food was allowed him but stinking beef and rotten flour, made up into balls or dumplings, which were thrown into a kettle and boiled with the meat and then brought to him in a wooden bowl, which was never washed and which contracted a thick crust of dough, grease, and dirt. So his uh, conditions of imprisonment were really pretty bad. Um, The insides of the shackles, he said, were... uh, really ragged and they lacerated his wrists and ankles so that uh, very quickly uh, he had sores all over his wrists and his ankles. Um, and in addition, his guards uh, regularly pointed out to, to him a, a gallows and uh, told him that he would certainly be executed as a spy. Um, in fact, um, Livingston was taking an active part uh, in making sure that that would indeed happen, uh, assuring uh, George Washington, I think I shall be able to procure evidence from Sussex of Moody's having enlisted our people, which I presume must be fatal to him. Um, and when Moody heard that Livingston himself was going to act as the prosecutor at his trial, um, he decided that whatever the risks, he had to escape. 
How does he escape? Oh, the, yeah, the escape is uh, worthy of uh, just about any Hollywood movie. Um, on September 1st, he was moved to Washington's encampment in preparation for his trial. Uh, he was jailed in a hut um, right at the center of the camp. Um, his, his ankles had gotten so ragged um, that uh, Washington's adjutant general, um, Alexander Scammell, uh, came to visit him, saw the uh, oozing uh, lesions on his legs, and ordered the leg irons removed. But he's still handcuffed, and he's being kept in a hut with a sentinel posted inside his cell, uh, as well as a sentinel outside the door, and apparently four sentinels outside the building. Um, but in the middle of the cell, Moody saw that there was a post half buried in the ground with a hole in it. And on the night of September 17th, um, which was getting cold and, and rainy, um, he begged a, a watch coat. And he used that coat to conceal um, his sticking the bolt of his cuffs into this hole in the post and bending it back and forth, back and forth. And he finally succeeded in breaking the, the bolt. Um, the guard inside the room must have fallen asleep or been inattentive because Moody jumped past him through the door, uh, according to his own account, grabbed the musket from the guard outside the door and punched him and then ran out of the building. Now, he was temporarily free, but he was in the middle of Washington's army um, with a hue and cry immediately raised. So rather than attempting to flee, uh, he shouldered the musket he had grabbed and marched deliberately through the camp, um, looking like he knew where he was going and was not in any hurry to necessarily get there. Um, and everyone in Washington's camp who was pursuing him uh, was on the lookout for somebody trying to run and hide. Uh, so he made his way through Washington's camp um, until he got to the outer chain of sentries. And although he nearly walked right into them, he happened to hear uh, the men passing news of his escape to each other. So uh, as they talked back and forth, he managed to tell where the nearest two sentries were and crawled through the lines between them undetected. Um, over the next 56 hours, uh, he managed to find his way through the woods, uh, until he reached the British lines at Paulus Hook, uh, now near Jersey city, uh, on the 21st of September. What was life like for Moody after fleeing captivity? What does he do with the rest of his time? Well, um, for the next, uh, year and a half. Uh, or so he continued to act for General Clinton as uh, a spy and a raider. He made a specialty um, in 1781 um, uh, stealing Washington's dispatches to Congress. Um, now, incredibly enough, uh, up until 1781, Washington tended to send his dispatches to Congress by a normal post rider. Um, and Moody was able to capture two of those, uh, 
uh, dispatches, uh, for which he got a promotion to lieutenant. Um, however, in um, at the end of 1781, he participated in a somewhat harebrained attempt to uh, steal the papers of Congress from Philadelphia uh, using a uh, using a captured and released patriot who had offered to uh, turn British agent. But uh, the British agent's turn uh, was either sham or only half-hearted because he betrayed the plot to Congress. Um, and uh, Moody very nearly was captured again. In fact, his brother John was captured and hanged uh, as a spy. Um, that was pretty much Moody's last uh, attempted exploit. Um, his wife, uh, Elizabeth, died in a fall uh, in February 1782. Um, the, his, their three children came to New York. Um, and so Moody remarried rather quickly, uh, marrying a daughter of a Newark loyalist by the name of Jane Linson. Um, when Henry Clinton um, resigned and left New York for London, uh, Moody and his family went with him and spent several years in England. Um, there, he wrote his uh, narrative of the exertions and sufferings of Lieutenant James Moody in the cause of government since the year 1776, uh, written by himself, um, which uh, he wrote trying to get a pension from the Loyalist Claims Commission. Um, the, the work went through two printings at least uh, at the time. Uh, it made him a minor celebrity in England and the Loyalist Claims Commission did give him compensation for most of his financial losses. Um, and as well, they gave him a pension as a captain, although his highest rank during his service uh, had been lieutenant. Um, that was a recognition for his uh, zeal and daring in the cause of the crown. Uh, eventually, Moody joined um, uh, what turned out to be a many of the uh, loyalists uh, from New Jersey in Nova Scotia, Canada, uh, where he lived as a shipbuilder. Uh, apparently his first, uh, his first merchant ship was called the Loyalist. Um, and he even rose to a uh, colonel of militia um, in Nova Scotia um, until before his death in April of 1809. How does this article help us to understand the revolutionary era better? Well, traditionally, the revolution has been a tale of a, a rather gentlemanly war on battlefields between the noble patriots and their British oppressors. Um, and every American was a patriot. But the reality was the, the revolution was much more of a civil war than a straightforward battlefield conflict. Raids, kidnappings, murders... Uh, and even atrocities happened on both sides. Uh, and the war pitted neighbors and communities against one another. Now, Moody is an interesting figure because, in a sense, he was the loyalist equivalent of James Bond. Um, he had some 
pretty spectacular successes. Uh, and of course, uh, even in his failure in capture, um, a, a spectacular uh, escape. Um, you know, in my research, I, I got the feeling that Moody was an honorable man caught up in what was all too often a pretty dirty war. Um, and he acted according to the dictates of his conscience. Uh, you know, we're far enough away from the war now that rather than looking at it as a simplistic uh, conflict of American glory, um, it's a really complex era uh, in which people had to make very difficult choices and they acted according to what seemed best for them at, at the time. In Moody's case, that was remaining loyal and he risked everything and lost a lot uh, for that loyalty. Kevin Kahn, thank you for joining us. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much for talking with me. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.